Dropping knowledge bombs all over the state of Alabama. Pew, 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 pew. Druid News Radio, Druid News Radio. Listen to us on Druid News Radio. Welcome to Truett News Radio. It's your weekly dose of gumption and positivity, for whatever that means. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Truett and Brock Murphy, probably the two coolest guys in the world, at least in their minds. Let it rip, fellas. I'm Brock positivity. Brock, 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 we're back again. Yes, we are. Uh, I'm not very positive about the weather, but I'm positive about being here with you, Tony, for another I'm, another round of Truett News Radio. I'm positive I don't like it. Who are you? I'm Tony Truett with Truett Insurance and Bonding. Thanks oh. for listening to Truett News Radio this week. Absolutely. I'm Brock Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm. Love to help you out if you're a small business, do a lot of construction-related stuff, have a big arbitration starting here on Monday in, uh, in the commercial construction world. Love to help you out, 205 205- 313-6360. Real quick, in the booth with us is Johnny B., Johnny Burr. He has a big day coming up. He's got the golden pipes, the golden yes. pipes, not j- and, and, and he's going to show them off. We're going to support. On the 25th of this month, April, uh, at the Birmingham Barons ball game, he's going to be singing our national anthem. John, are you, are you confident you know the words? Yes, I sang them every day from the first grade. To the twelfth grade, so I feel pretty okay. good about it. All right, I, I would, right. I would be, uh, yep, I'd be shaky. Famous last words, yeah, yep. <laughs> you know, but yep. we're gonna be there, and yeah, we're gonna be pulling there for you anyway. That's a fact. Yeah. All right, well, man, Brock, uh, pretty interesting week. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been fighting off this cold still mm. all week from last week, but yeah. uh, it's not slowing me down. You know, all the pollen on the globe is attempting to come up uh, into each one of our noses. Yeah, uh, within the listening area. And in addition to that, we've, if you wondered what schizophrenia is, look only at the weather. It's 80 degrees. It's 30 degrees. It's raining outside. It's clear outside. Uh, it's just been a crazy little run here in the last, uh, well, I would say, four or five weeks. So uh, it's, it's a wonder all of us don't have pneumonia. By the way, I say yeah. pneumonia because I think that P has rights. Well, I like it. I like how you say it. Yeah. You know, stands out. Yeah. Uh, man, let's just jump on into this because uh, there is a ton to talk about this week. Yeah. Uh, one, we got a good show. Yes. Uh, Anoop Mishra, with, uh, he's with the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. He's our Birmingham representative. He's yeah. going to be really interesting to talk to. And Sharon Tinsley, the yeah. Alabama Broadcasters Association, yeah. uh, talking about all the TV and the radio folks out there. So yeah. this is going to be good. Yeah, that's a fact. I'm excited to talk to them. But uh, how about this, man? Congrats to uh, Paul Shinora, True yep. News Radio alum. Alum. Fit Five Meals who I ordered some the other day from and got to pick them up this coming week. But uh, they got a new uh, addition to the family. Yeah. Uh, Liliana Sophia Shannara. Oh. May, uh, or March 25th. I put May. But uh, March 25th, uh, joined their family. So congrats to them. I got a little tickler, another show alum, Elena Burt, right? Yes, she was, I saw this. She was Miss Jefferson County's teen. She's now Miss Alabama's teen. Uh, and uh, she got recognized, if you recall, during her call with us. Uh, she was promoting her philanthropy, which is Charlie's Choice. Uh, it's it's epilepsy awareness, uh, and boy, they she went to uh, the Jefferson County City Hall and uh, just got a whole bunch of recognition and endorsement for that program. So kudos to her. Emmy Baldwin is Miss Jefferson County. She's going to be on our show here soon, and she announced the Miss Alabama competition schedule uh, on June twenty eighth as the talent. Uh, the next day, evening gown and fitness production. The next day, fitness and the onstage questions. And then the finals are over at Sanford at Leslie Wright Fine Arts Center uh, July 1st. So make sure uh, to attend that, and we'll have Miss Jefferson County on, and she'll be one of the contestants. Yeah. Hey, man, we talk about, you know, economic development and, like, what's going on around the state, some, of the, some of the stuff going. Uh, the towns are trying to do. I just uh, admire everybody trying to make their place better and all yeah. that. 
Florala, Alabama. Yes. Tons of people are uh, familiar with it. It's on the way it, to the beach. Yes, it is. And, uh, and it was always a stop to uh, how do how do we say this tactfully? To, uh, uh, it was a rest stop. Yes, it was a rest uh, stop. They had a place there that you stop for some rest. And, yes, uh, and keep going. But uh, they have been doing a lot of stuff down there. I've read yeah. this article and was fired up for them. Uh, the mayor and the council. They've got a lot of of effort. They've got Mojo Sportswear to move up from Defuniac, which yeah. is just down the road. Yeah, right, right. Uh, back up to Florala to have their plant there. Uh, Southern Independent Bank has a branch. They've moved into the old Wells Fargo building, okay. which has freed that building up for some oh, other activity. And yeah, then uh, yeah. I think that actually may be where the new Jacks is going in. Oh, okay. And Jacks okay. is always a hit. They're going to do massive business, I think, down there. Because uh, okay. there's so many people heading to the beach, and it's close to all those communities, you know, oh, for up sure. and, yeah, yeah. and on and on down through yeah. there. Uh, and they've just approved Sunday liquor sales, which is a yeah. big deal. Because um, I, I even go back to that. I remember Coleman just a few years ago. Uh, was that totally dry or just Sunday liquor sales? No, but, I, I uh, think it was one of the last that was. Totally I know it dry. really, you know, was a problem for them as far as trying to gain retailers sure. and uh, publics and some of these people. Right, right. Uh, somebody told me this was amazing too. You know, I was asking why they weren't in Coleman at the time, and that was pointed out. They didn't yeah, have the. Yeah. It was a dry county and. Uh, it's like, well, how much, you know, how much could they possibly make? Oof. I mean, how, why is that such a big deal? That one aisle, I forgot what the number is, but I want to say it was like eighteen percent of the profit. Yeah. Uh, not the not sales. The profit, profit came from that one aisle in yeah. the public. So uh, we ought to look that up because that's uh that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but, that uh, would be fascinating. Anyway, back to Florella. They're also moving the city hall to the former middle school site. So they got a lot going on, man. Con, uh, congrats to them. You know, we we were talking about this beforehand, and and uh, you know, you made vague reference to the lake, and th- and that lake is I. I feel like it's always is been a beautiful lake. Is that in Florella or is that in, it might be in, in Florida? In, I mean, it's it's all right on the line. There. But I feel like it's one of the least utilized lakes yeah, around because it's really beautiful and it just seems to sort of be there with not much around it. Yeah, uh, I agree. But, man, I think that's great. Maybe that'll uh, they'll keep having uh, some stuff bloom because a ton of people go through there for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, congrats to LBA Hospitality down in Dothan. They just were ranked by Hotel Management Magazine in the top 20 Hotel management companies in the country. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Out of Dothan, Alabama. Yeah, they wow. do a lot of stuff down there. I know that. Uh, what I wonder what cha- do you know? Do you know the brands that they uh, operate or manage? I think they do kind of mid level and up. Independent. Uh, yeah, I like all the hotel stuff. We're going to probably talk some more about yeah, it. But yeah, uh, yeah they. Uh, when I say mid level, I mean you know. <laughs> Whatever Comfort Inn, uh, Hampton Inn, you know, on up into to some higher end. I don't think they're out doing Ritzes or whatever. But speaking of that, Southern Living, you know, they came out with their best of 2023 issue, right? And there's a bunch of different categories, but one that I found kind of interesting this week was the best hotels in the Southeast, right? First of all, it's a little bit interesting what they call the Southeast, but but uh, of the top five, uh, number five is is no surprise to me at all. It's the Inn. At Biltmore Estate, and again, we were talking in the car. You know, that that's place, a pretty place. That up place there, was by the at way. once a a house for the Vanderbilt family, right? And it was just a vacation home at that. And when you look at that place, it's an astounding place in terms of its size. And that was just one of their homes, but that's the number five best hotel in the southeast per Southern Living. Number four, kudos to our listeners down in Mobile because the Grand Hotel at Point Clear is comes in at number four, which is which is a Really pretty place. Oh, my gosh. You know, just a fantastic facility as they've grown it and, you know, great golf as they've expanded out. Uh, number three, the Peabody in Memphis, and that makes sense. I mean, that's uh, just a, a legendary landmark hotel. Uh, number two, this is interesting to me. If you go to the Biltmore, it turns out, at least according to Southern Living, you've gone to the uh, uh, Plan B 
because the Omni Grove Park Inn <laughs> in Asheville, North Carolina, it's a, itself over a hundred years old. That's their number two. Man, I've heard I've heard how nice that place is for a long time. I've never been there. Yeah, well, it must be super nice because again, it makes the Biltmore your contingency when you go to Asheville. <laughs> and uh, number one is the Nice Wander Farm and Vineyards in Bristol, Virginia. I've never heard of that. Well, my dad and I we've stayed in Bristol a couple of times. Certainly not in Nice Wander as we've had to Elkins, West Virginia, a couple of times. But uh, yeah, it turns out one of the, the nicest hotel in all the southeast according to southern living is right there on the virginia side of bristol uh, i say that because uh, bristol is one of those cities that crosses over the state line there's a bristol tennessee there as well yeah i'd like to i've never been there i'd like to go do it um hey how about yes, this love this jenna betts all our friend uh she's one of the most interesting people out there by the way one does of the children's best and kindest books. people that, too incredibly nice and um a, attorney long-time attorney at baker donaldson here yep. uh employment attorney yep um I'm not exactly sure how she got hooked in with this, but anyway, she's just landed the new gig as uh, the general counsel for AutoZone yeah. at, uh, in Memphis. So, man, yeah. congrats to her and their family. They're uh, relocating to Memphis. They're loading up the truck, and they're moving to Memphis, too, yeah. to where, where we just mentioned they have the number three best hotel but in the country. But she does, like, documentary films and a children's book and yeah, attorney yeah, yeah. stuff. And, yeah, I mean, she's sure. amazing. Yeah, well, she really is. I, I had the luxury of, uh, of being an attorney with her at Lloyd Gray and Whitehead back in the day. This was uh, a couple of decades ago uh, and, and got the, had the joy of crossing her path and getting to know her and just really one of the one of the good people in the world. So really, really excited for her and her family. Yeah, well, Brock, um, man, nothing is as rock and roll as a legal action. What's that? Yeah, a uh, lawsuit has been filed here. Motley Crue, you know, oh. on the big stadium tour, uh, <laughs> they're still raising hell just yeah, in a yeah. different way. You yeah, know? right, so, uh, right. Mick Mars, the 40-plus-year guitarist for the band, uh he has either retired or been let go. Hmm. Who do you Depends think? on who's telling it. Yes. And, uh, well, anyway, something's happened because um, yeah. he's he's filed suit against them yes, saying he, he needs a part of this business that they are have shooed him away from. Give me my 25%, he says. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they can't help but, but be in the news. I mean, yeah. for however long they've been around, uh, whether it's massive drug use and partying or whatever it is they do, uh, back with with lawsuits into their old age now. Well, and and they're attempting to uh, take his one quarter and divide that down into twenty percent of that, five percent of the gross take on this tour. Which, by the way, I would take five percent of whatever their take is on this tour for sure. Yeah, they got a lot, and you know they're saying he's um, whatever degenerated as a guitarist, and, yeah, uh, and he's saying that they're all miming the words in the shows. And so. He's the only one who plays live. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll see how that develops. Yeah. Another music story I was sad to see uh, on Coolio. You know, he died back, um, what was that, in September? Yeah. And uh, they they announced this past week uh, another fentanyl-related yeah. uh, death, which is sad because uh, I'm almost positive Tom Petty, Prince, a lot of these people that have died, they, yeah, they, yeah. a lot of it has fentanyl uh, involved in the cause of death. Yeah, I think back then with those others that you mentioned, it was sort of this new thing that nobody knew anything about. But we know a lot about fentanyl now, and it takes just a very precious little bit to, uh, to terminate a life. Typically, you know, we, we were talking about this this morning. Both of us are nerds enough that we don't really know much about the drug world, and I'm thankful for that. But I understand that fentanyl is typically laced with heroin. So it's the people who get heroin and are addicted to heroin who continue to take it over and over, and it gets laced with fentanyl either without their knowledge, which causes the overdose, or really more frightening within the brain chemistry of an addict. You would think that for you and I, if we knew there was a chance that if we take this one certain thing, we might die, that that would be a deterrent for us. But in the mind, the chemical uh, changes to the mind of an addict, they're in such a chase for that original high 
that it is actually an attractant to them that there might be something that will boost what will happen when I take this heroin. So it's really frightening. Uh, you know, you, we, we've got, I'm a, the chairman of the board of the Wilbright Foundation, and part of our, um, uh, part of our purpose is advocacy within the area of opioid addiction. In addition, we have a, a, a beautiful facility that was gifted to us out in Fayette County in Fayette, Alabama, uh, for post-rehab folks. But we have a luncheon coming up on May 18th, 2023. Uh, Auburn's coach uh, of basketball. Uh, you know who that fella is? Bruce Pearl. Oh, yeah, Bruce Pearl. That's right. He's going to be our our guest speaker. And, of course, he's just fantastic. So lively, uh, so charismatic. And we're incredibly thrilled and honored that he's going to be our guest speaker. But Coach Pearl is going to take us through a luncheon at the club on May 18th. And tickets and tables are still available as our sponsorship. So, you know, give me a call at 205-313-6360. Uh, we're online uh, both on Instagram and Facebook, the Wilbright Foundation. We'd love to uh, to give the information that you need if you need it on that, and we'd love to have you join us as Bruce Pearl regales us uh, for that lunch on May 18th. Yeah, uh, hey, I don't know if they're still looking, but I know the Alabama Grocers Association has, has been looking for their first-ever summer intern. Yeah. So if anybody wants to do that, go to alabamagrocers.org. That'd be a yeah. really good uh, role where you would learn oh, a sure. lot and touch a lot of good stuff going on around the state. So, yeah. Uh, Need a summer intern if uh, your kid or you are looking for that kind of thing, uh, yeah. alabamagrocers.org. Yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, you know who I found out also was looking for uh, to hire is Garrison Steel. Yeah. Well, they, they have a ton of stuff going on. Uh, they just kicked off another project, uh, the dining facility and football operations facility in Jacksonville Which Jackson looks State. really nice. Oh, yeah, looks it's going to really be great. Nice. Yeah. Um, again, Ben, we're well, talking about schools uh, yeah. in general. I saw this article and it just caught my attention. One, because this thing is really cool looking. Yeah. Look at, check this oh, thing out. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, out at UC San Diego, University of California, San Diego, they are spending, we talk about like, uh, enrollment tuition cost, yeah. you know, we're going through it now and kind of seeing all this, but they are building a $1.1 billion mm. project out there for a new student center and a new uh, housing facility. And in particular, the student center thing is this giant, like cylindrical uh, building. It looks fantastic. Oh, and it's sure. going to be their yeah. showpiece in the middle, but it's over an architectural a billion thing. dollars mm. on facilities. Um, you think that's going to have an impact on, on fees? Well, yeah. And I tell you what, you know, we were talking about this and now the, the system, the university of California system has 294,000. I don't know why they would lie. So if they're, if they're right, that's, that's correct. 294,000 students. We saw that there was an average, at least uh, we thought in UCLA, for example, one of the biggest schools in that system uh, indicated an average tuition of somewhere around 36,000. If you apply that $36,000 tuition to the 294,000 students in the University of California Board of Regents system, then in one year, tuition alone, never mind all the uh, additional costs, that is $10.5 billion dollars. Uh, yeah. in revenue from tuition alone. So, you know, it's a it's an arms race within uh, athletics on the football side within Division One. It's an arms race within facilities uh, of these systems, these, these state systems. And so, you know, you get caught up in that and you see $1.1 million on literally what's an architecture. I mean, a beautiful, beautiful building it really is. for 2,400 students. And you think, gosh, how can they afford to pay $1.1 billion? Well, the answer is that system alone is going to get $10.5 billion in, in tuition revenue alone this year. Man, I, I just, it, that just caught my eye. Here's something else that caught my eye. 
Uh, this was just a report, and again, you know, we've talked some about electric cars. I don't really care if they're electric or not. I just want them to work. Right, right. Um, but Alliance, the Alliance for Automotive Innovation recently published a report that 93% of all the new car sales in 2022 are still gas-powered vehicles. Yeah, yeah. So there's a ways to go to get everybody on board with this. But uh, part of this, and it's a little deceptive, I think, here, the EVs, they said the average cost were basically almost $65,000 for right, a new right. unit. Then they put compact gas powered cars. So that's you know, that's that's a a smaller gas powered car that right, is right. twenty six thousand. So it's yeah. not really apples to apples. But sure, sure. Um I think the main thing I was still um uh, interested in that is that ninety three percent are still gas powered vehicles. Oh yeah. As absolutely. much as much money and time as everybody is spending trying to promote the other. Well, you know, I, and I and I don't know much about this. We've been accused of being non-credible, and I don't want to go off into something that I'm not well studied about. But I, I will say this: I've seen more than a couple of articles that suggest that our grid, our electric grid, actually couldn't take uh, everybody on your block getting an electric vehicle right now. And so, you know, the fact that seven percent of the vehicles out there, which is still, by the way, a giant number in our country, um, but but the fact that, that, that it's only 7% right now, that's something that our grid can handle as it continues to increase. We've got a problem because, of course, those grids are generally powered by something other than electricity because that's the point. Something's got to develop it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic, to say the least. Well, Brock, one of my favorite bands from way back, um, they put out one of the Powerhouse albums this month. Oh, uh, is that right? Back in April 1987, The Cult Ooh. released Electric, one of their big albums, and uh, the producer was Rick Rubin, you know, yeah. tons of people know he hip hop to yeah. everything. That guy's been around a long time. But uh, I remember um, liking that album. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, listen, our friends at Bistro Two Eighteen, they've been really good about we. You know, one of our first stories that we came up with when we started this show was Pappy Van Winkle because I think both of us were floored that one single bottle of bourbon Ooh. could be as expensive as it is based on the supply and demand concepts. Bistro 218 has consistently had Pappy Van Winkle dinners here and there, maybe not every month, but just about every month. Uh, They've got a rare bourbon dinner coming up Tuesday, uh, April 25th. Uh, It's going to start at about 630, and forgive me, I don't know the cost right now. But at this rare bourbon dinner, you'll have the opportunity to sample or try Blanton Single Barrel, E.H. Taylor Small Batch, Happy Van Winkle, yeah. both the 12 and the 15 year, Stag Junior Barrel Proof, and Weller Special Preserve. Now, I don't know anything about those other than Pappy Van Winkle because of our show. But if you'd like to try some really rare, expensive uh, bourbons, you know, give them a shout at Bistro 218. They've been they've been good. Uh, and, and by the way, if you go over there, give them a shout beforehand and tell them that you want the Beef Wellington. Uh, because, Pretty good. Oh, my gosh. I, you, know, <laughs> I, you know, that's something that I associate with, like, the 1970s. And I used to watch Hell's Kitchen, and uh, Gordon Ramsay was always into the Beef Wellington, and it was always a problem in terms of fixing it the correct way. It's basically a filet mignon in a, in a pastry, a puff pastry, and uh, it must be hard to make. But by golly, they make them really, really well at the Bistro 218. I've had it. I've had two of them, and I would have two more in a minute. There you go. Well, hey, let, it's time for the Truett Insurance and Bonding Hotline. What? Hey. Let's go and talk to Sharon Tinsley. Hey, Sharon, are you with us? Hello, Sharon. Whoops, she may not be with us. No, 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 oh, I'm here. Oh, there, there you are. Hey, there hey, you are. Sharon, how are you? Yeah, I'm uh, great. How are you guys? I thought I had failed once again to punch the one button that allows yeah. me to do this. You've got so, one job. Uh, there's only one button, and I have missed it before, so I thought we may not be hooked up. But how are you this morning? Make it, 
Put a picture of that on the wall for him. <laughs> Great, thank you. I I heard you talking about bourbon. I was in Kentucky recently, and we went to the Buffalo Trace. Oh, isn't that um, great distillery? And I had uh, bourbon cream. Have you ever oh. had bourbon cream? No, I don't no, believe tell me so. about this. It, you, it's kind of like Bailey's. You can either Ooh. drink it, you know, like a little shot, or you can put it in your coffee or your hot chocolate. Oh wow! How did you enjoy yeah. it? I gave a case of it for Christmas. How does that give yeah. any, any indication of hey, how popular it tell was? Tell me, tell me how cool that place is, though. It looks like um, we went up there a few years ago, and it, I mean, there's not a lot has changed in the way you do bourbon. It's these old, you know, huge old brick warehouses and yes, cool stuff, yes. but a uh, really neat place to walk around. And they do some of the top of the line bourbons for sure. They do. We. I was there on a business meeting, and you can't go to that part of Kentucky and not oh, go sure. visit a distillery. I mean, <laughs> if nothing else, it's historic, and I uh, love history, so I um, enjoyed the opportunity. And they do. You were talking about the tasting that's coming up uh, with that dinner this week, and they do a tasting there at the distillery, so I got to try a little bit of everything. It was really good. Well, that had to be a good trip for sure. Well, you know, Sharon, when, you, when you're at a place like that, I mean, the same thing as going to some of the vineyards, for instance, uh, all around California or whatever, suddenly you see that this is a really complex process. I mean, if you're not familiar oh, with yes. it, if you don't go there, you just think, well, I mean, what's the big deal? They just bottle this stuff, and it's, you know, uh, it's called bourbon and whatever. But, I mean, it is it is far beyond that. It is a complex process done, as Tony says. I mean, you know, a, a nod to history as, as sort of the same processes have been used uh, over and over and over again. So I've got to think you probably have a greater appreciation for a bourbon, even if that's not necessarily your drink after that tour. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I don't think I'd ever had an old fashioned in my life prior to that trip. <laughs> there you go. And, have another. And, and, and probably hadn't sampled very much bourbon either. But now I, you're right. I do have an appreciation for it. And if somebody offered me an old fashioned, I'd, I'd drink it now and <laughs> yep. turn my nose up at it. But, yeah. uh, absolutely. But yes, it, it, it really had that impact that you just described. Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk about some broadcasting. Yeah. You're the executive director with the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tell us a little bit about the organization. And I know you just had uh, like the big uh, event with where y'all, you know, named the best shows and all that stuff. Tell us yes. about that. That's right. Well, we celebrate broadcasting in Alabama and have since 1946. Now, not me personally. I'm not that old. <laughs> right. But since 1946. The Alabama Broadcasters Association has been representing the interests of all the over-the-air radio and television stations across the state. And um, this was our 17th annual award show. So we recognize best newscasts, best morning shows, best commercials on radio and television, uh, sports programs, talk shows like yours. Um, across radio and television, and we pass out what we call our Abbey Awards. That stands for Alabama's Best in Broadcasting. We do that once a year, and people seem to love it. We certainly do, and I see it as a great morale booster for people who've worked so hard serving their communities, trying to deliver them news and information and entertainment, and it's something we love doing for our broadcasters. You know, you mentioned that so, you've been—I'm sorry, Sharon. You mentioned you've been doing no, this since no. 1946 as, a, as an association, yeah. and I can't help yes, but to yes. just think the the—I mean— 
incredible changes that have happened within the concept of broadcasting since 1946. Uh, you know, from radio into TV, yes. from TV into cable, from cable into, you know, now you've got streaming concepts. I mean, it is amazing the revolutions that have been endured and, and experienced by your association. Absolutely. And, you know, back in the very beginning when um, radio started, people thought FM radio would kill AM, and then people thought that TV would kill radio, and right. then people thought the movies would kill TV, and sure. then people thought that cassette decks would, uh, oh. eight tracks would kill radio, sure. and then satellite radio, and look at us today. Still yeah. more than 90% of the population, including here in the state of Alabama, listen to radio every week. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, and but the technology... You know, talking about it from a technology standpoint, radio has um, grown tremendously in the last, say, 15 years with the beginning of HD radio and the ability for AM stations to now be on what we call FM translators, which means if you were a small radio station operator somewhere in rural Alabama and all you had was an AM now the Federal Communications Commission, if there's a frequency available, will let you put an FM translator on that will just serve that same footprint of the AM but on the FM dial. Oh, wow. So now there's that ability. But um, at, at this point in time, AM radio is facing a huge threat, and that is car manufacturers are st- excuse me, starting to leave AM the AM band off of car radio. Oh, wow. Mm. I didn't realize that. It's a horrible thing. And so you're about to see us um, in just the next week start making a big push out to our broadcasters, asking them to contact their members of Congress and, and tell them and arm them with information about why that's a horrible thing for your community and to try to make an impact with the um, car manufacturers to not do that. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 the real threat to radio, especially to AM radio yeah. right now. So well, we're working on that. Well, I was just going to say, you know, even today, though, I mean, you go around the state and in smaller towns. I mean, the the radio stations are still like one of the jewels of the town and everybody's vitality. Yeah. And everybody rallies around them. It's great. Absolutely. Well, I mean, look at this time of year when the we're in, you know, we're in the middle of a horrible tornado season. And I'll give you a specific example down in Selma. When that tornado came through, you know, we have um, several radio stations down there and, and a handful of uh, peop- uh, companies that own those. And those radio stations were on the ground in downtown Selma within minutes after the storm went through on the air telling people in the community, number one, what had happened. Number two, don't come down here. It's dangerous. And then number three, here's what our community needs to recover, you know. And um, and so they're on the ground first. They're there. The police are there. The fire there. And then, you know, elected officials come in and 
bring more national attention to something that's so bad that, you know, we have our fair share of those. But um, it's radio that's on the ground right there in the beginning with the first responders. We like to refer to radio and television as first informers. Sure, sure. That work alongside first responders to convey to you what you need to know in a crisis like that. And so it's just critical to um, have radio stations in communities across our state. And we're really fortunate in Alabama because we still have a lot of local owners. You know, we've got great broadcast companies in this state, and the corporate-owned stations are fantastic, and we engage with them too. But, you know, you mentioned driving around the small towns, and that's where the majority of the local owners are, and there's still a lot of them in this state. And I like to remind people, you go to work with them, you go to church with them, you shop with them, your For kids sure. play baseball with their kids, and those they know your community. You're in Civitans, Rotary, Kiwanis, you know, they're part of the community, the fabric of the community in every yeah. way, and, and so they know local. That They are, and think about how many of them, I mean, have done it their you know, entire careers oh, sure. in a community and, I right. mean, really are almost the face of it, you know? Yeah, it becomes the rally point, right. you know, in those emergencies, yeah. like you're saying. I mean, it's it's their voice yeah. of calmness, and, and it's it's around them right. that the community rallies. So, I mean, look at, look at James Spann well, and some of these people, you know? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the Selma situation I was mentioning, I had somebody specific in mind. The person I had in mind is a third generation broadcaster yeah. running the stations that his grandfather put on the air. Wow. And he is raising, he's got three children now, and he's still a young guy. He's got three children, young children, and I can guarantee you that his oldest son will be the fourth generation. Wow. Um, and that, that happens in Alabama yeah. and it's, um, we love, we love that. Yeah. Well, it, it is a, it is absolutely a great service, uh, that, that goes on and man, I hate to run, but we, we got a ton of stuff going on. Is there anything, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the event, uh, the, the, the big winners of that, uh, at the event you just had, and, uh, then we got to get out of here. Well, we, uh, I'll just show you really quickly that we honor two stations of the year, and the radio station of the year was down in Tuscaloosa, owned by the um, a great uh, broadcast company that has stations across the country, but their local folks down in Tuscaloosa are ingrained in the community. One of the things they did during COVID was when, you know, a lot of people couldn't work and um, there were shortages of everything. They organized groups to go out and clean up their neighborhoods and pick yeah. up trash and get it to the dump. Just just critical stuff like that in the community. And then the television station of the year was up in Huntsville, um, owned by Allen Media, W-A-A-Y. And uh, one of the reasons they were recognized was all the incredible work that they've done over the last year while the space program was really getting its feet back under it and the Artemis launch and everything. So, um, so those are, we, that's at the end of the show. We recognize uh, stations of the year, but but all our stations just do amazing work. Well, y'all keep doing what you're doing. Tell yeah. Tina hello for me, and yeah. uh, and we'll get you back on, okay? Yeah, for sure. I would love that. All thank right. You. Well, enjoy yeah. the rest of Take your weekend. Care. Have a great day. And happy Easter. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sure. Yeah, that's Sharon Tinsley, the executive director of the Alabama Broadcasters Association. And I, and I, and I think uh, John had, uh, did as far as uh, – morning shows john were y'all in on part of that 
yes, Richard and Valerie won. Okay. How about that? This big market morning show. Good, good. My man, that's good. That and uh, you you have more than a hand in that show. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, just oh, you just stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. stop, stop. Well, congrats to all that. That's fan- that's great. Yeah, for our Huntsville listeners, I mean, that's fantastic that they had the top uh, TV station in the state, and so and Tuscaloosa had the radio station. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It it really is. I mean, like uh, I, I'm going to use Tallahassee as an example, you know, because we got an office down there. But uh, I mean, it really is. It's on Main Street, and everybody knows that it. it's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, and those and places like that are all over the state. Oh, for sure. uh, I think it's great. You know, we've mentioned uh, Jenna Bedsole, and as yeah. well we should. Uh, one of her good friends and one of our friends, uh, Lee Davis of Alabama Power. That. Yeah, I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah, I don't really know Lee. I, y'all, y'all know Lee, I yeah. think. Uh, but anyway, she. Uh, yeah, Alabama Power. She just got a big promotion. She's always been a, a powerhouse over there, but she's sure. uh, moved up to the official role of Senior VP of Marketing, Marketing and Economic Development, and she is somebody that we need to have on here. Yeah, you're, you're right, and she's fantastic. She's an attorney as well, uh, just r- real charismatic person, uh, just a lot of good energy. It's not surprising at all to me that she's uh, uh, not just a Senior VP over at Alabama Power, but of Marketing and Economic Development. She's got quite the personality for that, quite the character, and a real hard worker. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a hard worker, uh, the owners of Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe. They're hard workers, yep. and they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. Isn't that hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. All these places are doing it. I was just looking at, at some of these other things. Man, there's a new Five Guys co- about to yeah. open in Fairhope, so that's going to be good. So our folks down in Mobile, I'm sure you do know about Five Guys, but if you don't, it's a fantastic offering. Really good uh, burgers, really good fries. You got to go check that out. Yeah, I was going to throw in too. Congrats, man! Johnny's Barbecue up in Coleman, which is a great place. They're celebrating 50 years. Holy cats! Hey, you know, Alabama.com, they uh, had a list that they they reached out to their readers and said, listen, you all tell us, what are the best breakfast spots in Alabama, right? And they got a bunch of responses from throughout the state. But I think that our listeners in Mobile are in a group that are among the most responsive to things like that. Uh, but the winners were, or the folks mentioned, were BB Breakfast in Florence, uh, Greystone, uh, excuse me, that's Big Bad Breakfast, in Florence, Greystone, and Homewood. I've been yeah. there. That's fantastic. Really Bob, good bacon. Yeah, bo- yes. Bob's Downtown Diner in Mobile. Uh, that was one. Buddy's Diner up in Huntsville. Buddy's Rib and Steak over in Northport. Uh, Cafe 431 in Phoenix City. Ducks Diner in Orange Beach, Eastern Shore Cafe down in Daphne, Hazel's Nook in uh, Gulf Shores, Homecoming and Company in Gunnersville, uh, Joelwyn's Southern Country Restaurant in Fairhope, Liberty Restaurant in Scottsboro, a spot of tea over in Mobile, and one that I went to when I was in law school, the Waysider in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but those were the winners, or the, the people that uh, the readers responded to uh, at AL.com are the best places to get breakfast in the state of Alabama. Give one a try. I don't know if this is a full-on breakfast, but uh, uh, Reed Hayes Construction, you know, I always like yeah. the construction stuff. They're, yeah, yeah. they're down in uh, Daphne. But uh, they're building these things that I, I'm not familiar with, but they sound like they're moving in pretty hard down there. Seven Brew Coffee. Oh, have you heard of that? No, uh, they're going to be in uh, Baymanet, Baymanet, and Daphne, and I bet yeah. you there'll be some other locations down there. So, man, congrats to uh, Reed Hayes for getting to to do those. And I was also going to tell you real quick, uh, Merritt Bank. You know, it's a fast growing yes. bank up in Huntsville. Yeah, uh, there's a cool office building up there, the Range, that's owned by the Beach Company out of okay. Charleston, who owns a ton of stuff. Okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, Merritt Bank looks like they're going to kind of be the anchor tenant of this building. They're okay. taking uh, over twenty thousand feet of a basically a forty-eight or forty-nine thousand square foot building, mm. lobby. You know, bank, big. Sure. Head, uh, they're going to have their corporate office on the, I guess, the top floor or one of the floors. 
Uh, but man, congrats to Merritt Bank. Yeah, welcome to Huntsville for sure. Yep. You know, speaking of Huntsville, I was looking up uh, one of the things we were mentioning before the show is uh, it's soccer season. The Huntsville City Football Club they're they're off to a bit of a stumble. They're oh one and one. But you know, here's to support the uh, Huntsville City Football Club, hoping they'll get their first win here soon. But our legion here in the city of Birmingham, boy, they're they're really going to town. They've, they've got off to a really good start and uh, got some some matches coming up. So everybody, get out and support them. There's uh, uh, the Birmingham Bulls hockey team, by the way. They yep. ma- they made the playoffs. Yeah, uh, the playoffs start on the fifteenth. Uh, listen, this is one thing we've done before, and I, and I just think this is funny. This this is a sign of how things have changed, right? So we're not going to go into this day in history, but in April of 1970, there was a Sports Illustrated uh, that was published. On the cover, interestingly, was Lou Alcindor. He hadn't become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yet. He was with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he was boxing out Lewis Reed of the New York Knicks. What, a great, thought, what a great memory that oh, is. Oh, for sure. And I thought that's pretty cool. But what was really, really interesting about this, uh, this magazine is when you opened up this April 1970, Sports Illustrated, an indication of how times have changed. The first article that you would have read as you would have opened up that issue would have been this title, Airplanes and Aqualungs Add Sporting Zest to the Adventure of Archaeology. <laughs> Man, they, they had some flair with that. They sure did have some flair. That is good. Uh, yeah. Hey, I, I think we mentioned this before. Hallmark filmed a movie on the campus at Spring Hill. Yes, okay? yes. You know, uh, another Truett News Radio alum Yes, uh, was uh, doc, the new president, Dr. Mary Van Brunt. Yes. Uh, she and Taloria Crenshaw get a cameo in this thing, but Do they it, really? yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great, and it is actually premiering. I was I was shocked how fast this is coming because oh. we just heard about it a couple well, of months yeah, ago. Sure, maybe right. man, it is premiering April thirtieth called Spring Breakthrough. Oh, I don't know that I've really ever watched a Hallmark movie. My mom has. She'll well, see this. Well, we're going to have to figure out how to how to kind of get a glimpse of this, but yeah. uh, that's that's fantastic for them coming up uh, April thirtieth. It's I think it's at six p.m. actually on the Hallmark channel but great for them those cameos couldn't happen to two better people i mean really just a fantastic staff down there Uh, and how about a new event coming up that i saw man uh the 30a foam fest what they're having a beer fest down at uh, 30 avenue a ton of people go down through that uh area so uh, be on the lookout for that got a got a good looking you know i like logos and all got a good looking logo oh well it it is a good 30a foam fest 30a foam fest listen uh news and accomplishments i was looking at full moon barbecue this is out of the hoover sun by the way uh full moon barbecue got two different recognitions for their great barbecue sauces uh here recently mashed.com never heard of it mashed.com they chose full moon for the their white barbecue sauce said it's the best alabama white sauce and then cnet.com said full moon has the best barbecue sauce for 2023 i'll say you know barbecues all over the state of alabama and everybody's got their subjective opinion and of which one's best. Good. And I'm not against any of them. Yeah, I, mean, I, like I don't them all. dislike any of them. But I have to say, if a gun was to my head, I probably would pick Full Moon. Man, it, it is uh, they've done a great job with that ever since yeah. they bought it and expanded it. It is delicious. But, uh, sure. man, it is time to go back to the Truett Insurance and Bonding Hotline. Yes, Anoop. it is. Anoop, Anoop, are you with us? I'm here. Hey, man, how are you? This is Anoop Mishra, uh, who is one, one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet <laughs> and uh, have known him forever. And uh, it turns out he's pretty smart, too. He yeah. runs the Federal Reserve Bank branch here in town. So we're going to talk. Uh, really, I'm not smart enough to know what all goes on there, and I want him to explain it. And then we'll jump in with some other stuff. Yeah. But the, first the, off, how are you this morning? <laughs> Tony, I'm, I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. It's been uh, a long time, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I got to tell you that I feel like we're going to enter into this interview like a Chris Farley interview where we're going to ask you things like, is that tough to do? Is that complex? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, Ben, give us kind of an overview, I guess, really, of the Fed system uh, in a in a like a thirty yeah. second you know <laughs> nugget, and then we'll go from there. Sure, the Federal Reserve System in thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think what most people think about with the Fed, which is correct, is we help to manage interest rates. So, and interest rates are important in the economy. So, when the cost of a mortgage goes up. Uh, you're less likely to get a mortgage. When they go down, you're more likely to. So interest rates help to spur economic activity, uh, uh, doing more or doing less. And so the Fed manages uh, rates. So here at the Atlanta Fed, we're one of 12 Federal Reserve Banks. So what happens every few weeks is that the presidents of the 12 Reserve Banks go up to D.C. with some of the Federal Reserve governors, and they make decisions on where the economy is going and what they think they should do with interest rates to be able to either reduce economic activity or spur more activity. That's interesting because, you know, a lot of us think, uh, it, and, and, you know, if you follow the, uh, the economy uh, at all, and, and I would have to say I am um, modest in my understanding of it, but, you know, you'll, you'll hear that the chairman is going to release the report or, or, or the indication on what's going to happen with the federal rate. And to a civilian like me, I mean, it's real easy for me to conclude, you know, almost as if it's, it's his sole decision. And yet, you know, you, it's an interesting process that you just described, that it's these presidents from the 12 different banks getting together with the governors. And it's a very, very um, complex process. There's a lot of intentional uh, thought put into this before that 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 rise in the insurance rate or that reduction in the insurance rate is declared out there and and therefore then affects uh, you know the stock market as it will or affects the economy that that really is a, an interesting complex process it it really is and and I'll say that 30 years ago 40 years ago it was probably much more like what you described it was very mysterious nobody really knew what the fed did it was kind of like electing a new pope you just kind of waited for the smoke to come out you, just, you know figured out this is what's going to happen. And it was really since the financial crisis that the Fed said, you know, we have to be a lot more transparent sure. and communicate what we're thinking, how we're thinking. It's important for the markets. Um, and one of the things that we do here at the Federal Reserve Banks is it's not just the data that we look at. We look at a lot of data. We have incredibly smart economists that really try to dive in and figure out what's going on. But the other thing that we do is we talk to businesses and business leaders, small businesses, large companies across sectors because data looks backward and so it tells us what happened we're really interested in knowing what's about to happen and getting that grassroots feel from talking to businesses understanding what their pain points are hopefully makes us able to make better decisions uh, going forward. You know, it's interesting you put it that way. I mean, in a sense, you're, you're charged with a really, really uh, difficult and complex obligation of being the rudder for the economy, aren't you, if you're forward-looking, as you mentioned? Yeah, and, and you know, we, we do balance that with the fact that uh, really what makes the economy tick are the millions and millions of businesses that are out there, small businesses, you know, large companies, the, you know, civic organizations, the governmental sectors, all of that makes the economy work. But at some level, uh, we do need a a driver to make sure that there's some level of stability. Um, The reality when you have a capitalist system is you have business cycles and, you know, things go up and things go down. So the economy is not always doing great. Uh, But what you don't want, and, and that's fine, that's part of the business cycle, what you don't want, and the reason that the Fed was created, you know, uh, 
over 100 years ago to begin with was we don't want the financial instability where things can uh, go down so far that it really jeopardizes the economic system. And that's really what the, the, the Fed is. And I think you're you're using the term rudder is a really good analogy. It's it's really to maintain some level of stability as we are taking this journey. Yeah, that makes sense. So that we're going to try and avoid the, the, the massive and dangerous spikes in economic uh, movement, right? Rather than, uh, uh, well, what we're going to do is try and flatten that out rather than allow those spikes to occur, I guess. Yeah, and, right. the, and there's so many moving pieces to this. I don't know exactly how all this fits in, uh, but like we had mentioned a little bit, just uh, with the introduction of cryptocurrency and sure. uh, how does that fit into the mix or does it with what you do every day? Tell us, you know, your thoughts on that. So cryptocurrency, uh, right now, the Fed does not have cryptocurrency. That's unique um, in that the, the nature of cryptocurrency, is it's, it's digital assets. Right. but it uses crypto technology. But the real big distinguishing factor is it is unregulated and decentralized. Sure. So the whole value of cryptocurrency is there is no central authority, um, which, it, which makes it difficult for somebody like the Federal Reserve Bank, which is a centralized bank, right. uh, to be able to administer. Um, but the, the idea behind crypto, though, is digital assets. You know, what if you had... Uh, digital currency that did not have any paper form. So there was no such thing as I can convert it to cash by going to an ATM. Um, so I think the idea of digital currency is something that the Fed is looking at and that probably is going to be in our future. Crypto is a little bit different. That's on one end of the spectrum because it is not centrally managed. There are a lot of risks that are associated with it. And we've seen some of those risks bear out, you know, in terms of security uh, as well as. So if there is a, a security issue, who do you go to to you know, recoup your money? Sure. Um, there is not that uh, fail safe that's uh, that's built in. So that makes it problematic for a reserve bank and for the central banking system whose primary responsibility is economic stability uh, to, to entertain. Well, and even back to the, to the point we mentioned before we talked about cryptocurrency, right? That people have a tendency, if they're not very familiar with it, to think that Bitcoin is the only one. Yeah, Bitcoin is one of right. many, and Bitcoin itself is really the story of the spikes that we're talking about that the Fed attempts to control within the economic uh, system generally, right? I mean, it goes up to 69,000, it's down to 20-some thousand, you know, and meanwhile, so many of these other, other cryptocurrencies are at a mere fraction of a penny per share. No, that's that's exactly right. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different uh, cryptocurrencies uh, that are out there. Um, it is all unregulated. Um, again, there's some thought that crypto provides uh, through blockchain technology some level of security, but I think some of that has come into question as well. Sure. Um, it's not to say that there isn't that there isn't value in cryptocurrency in in a lot of ways. You know, I'll tell you one of the things that I think there's some real attractiveness this idea of having some type of digital currency, um, again, assuming that you protect privacy and you have a secure way of administering it, is really having a system of payment that is recognized and easy to use in real time throughout the world. Sure. Um, you know, if, if you have friends or family that live in other countries, the idea of being able to get money from the U.S. to Norway or to India it is very time-consuming. It's laborious. You're dealing with different currencies. It's hard to do. 
something like digital currency uh, it can, can really facilitate that process and can sort of provide one single recognizable uh, currency uh, globally. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. because I can see that benefit to it, and then I can just, see plenty of people who have their jars full of cash under their bed uh, scared to death at what you just suggested. By the way, we're on the air right now with Anoop Mishra uh, with the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, specifically right at the Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta branch, um, and just having a fascinating uh, discussion right now with Anoop. We're so thankful that he's on this show, and you are listening to Truett yeah. News Radio. And who also shockingly had a, had a remarkable uh, headshot he sent me uh, is better than anything I've done. So uh, way to go, Anoop. But, hey, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, from my standpoint, we deal with a lot of construction firms, you know, on surety bonding and stuff like that. And we've talked about it a lot on this show. Like, uh, everybody is kind of apprehensive about the economy. But from, like, the construction side, there's still contracts and work coming in like crazy right now. They all have a lot, but everybody's, you know, kind of worried about what's going to happen in the future, even though the, I guess, the results today are, are still real positive. I mean, how do you, how do you, is there, I, there's no way, no crystal ball to look. Y'all are probably the closest thing to it. But, I mean, is there a timeline or, or, or how far out, I guess I say, do y'all sort of look, if that makes yeah. sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And, and Tony, what's really, I, I think, interesting about your question, it really gets to uh, a dynamic that we're seeing in the economy, and that is there seems to be a gap between how people think about the economy and actual performance yeah. in the economy. Um, and what we're seeing is if you turn on the news and you read about 10,000 layoffs here, 12,000 here, um, and you hear the term recession over and over again, um, you tend to think, that we're already in some, you know, really economic downturn. And the reality is, is that the economy is holding up pretty surprisingly well. And I think when we talk to businesses, uh, the economy, the consumers holding up well, doesn't mean that there isn't some softness that we're seeing and that might come up. You know, with something like construction, there are certain sectors that uh, tend to be a little bit lagging because with construction projects, you typically have these defined in advance. Sure. So you have a pipeline of work. And so you know that for the next six months or nine months, you're going to be executing on that pipeline. So it may not be until early 2024 when you start to see a little bit more softness or less willingness to, uh, to build. But so far in the economy, while there are some you know, signs that, that the consumer is a bit more stressed and that businesses are pulling back a little bit, um, the economy is still performing uh, pretty well today. Yeah, and I think that's – isn't that based on your kind of analysis of the GDP? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we look at, we look at GDP, and um, what's surprising is if you look back to the first two quarters of 2022 when we had negative GDP growth, and then you look at the last couple of quarters of 2022, we ended up you know, doing really well. I mean, it was um, you know, pretty resilient growth. Yes. Uh, so that kind of indicates we've had some momentum kind of coming in into 2023. Um, like I said, I think when we look a little bit further out into 2023, I think businesses and consumers are all thinking, hey, you know, we have inflation. Um, we think that there's going to be a bit more of a downturn. We're probably not going to spend as much money. You know, rates are a little bit higher. Let's take a step back. So I don't think anybody has a question that we're going to see a bit more of an economic slowdown. But I think there's still a long ways from saying that we're going to enter any type of you know serious recession. Got you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anoop, man, we could keep talking for a long time on for this because sure. uh, it really is interesting. But uh, we got to have to wrap up. Is there any like 
I, I don't know, good tip or piece of advice <laughs> as a parting shot you have? Well, you know, I, I think the, the, the main thing that, that I tell folks when you're kind of looking at the you know economy as a whole and you're kind of looking at where you are in the economy is always take the long view. And I think this is, uh, you know, I, I've kind of used this when I sort of think about investing and, and everything else is the economy operates in cycles. Things will kind of come and go. Uh, the most important thing when we sort of think about where the economy is going, the decisions we want to make is we want to make sure that we're setting up the economy to succeed in the longer term. And and I think personally, that's kind of how I look at uh, you know my financial picture. I am thinking longer term in terms of you know, where things are going. And I would encourage others to do that as well. Okay. Well, man, sounds great. Thanks so much for getting up early and joining yeah, us today. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for hey, sure. Thank you. It. Thanks for having me. All right. Great absolutely. talking to you, Anoop. Yeah, that was Anoop, okay. Anoop Mishra with the Atlantic Atlanta branch of the Federal Reserve Bank. Yeah, he's the Birmingham head of the Birmingham of the, head of, of the, the Atlanta branch. Yeah, he's of the, the Birmingham executive, I guess. The, okay, the Birmingham executive but of the Atlanta I branch. But can I stress what a really good guy oh, he is? Oh, fantastic. You can tell even in this call. So, uh, yeah, yeah this, just a fantastic call. And, and you know, that's somebody who you, you'd like to uh, talk to for a real long time and just learn more about economics. Yeah. Uh, Brock, the, uh, another event coming up, the Rocket City Barbecue and Soul Festival. You talk about liking good logos. This is one. Oh, very cool logo, man. The rocket coming right out of it. Yeah. But, uh, that's May 20th up there. And, uh, I bet that's a good time. We ought to put that on the calendar and go. Yeah. The Rocket City Barbecue and Soul Festival, not just barbecue. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's something I'd like to go check out. Hey, and I want to yell out, uh, congrats to, uh, my friend Martin Smith over at SRS Real Estate. He and Lee Dale Younts, uh, they just did a new lease on a dollar tree uh down at country club center in montgomery um and martin was also selected by the co-star group which is a big industry uh i don't know if watchdog is the right word but uh they follow everything but he was uh named a co-star power uh broker winner for the birmingham market which is awesome so uh, if you need a good real estate uh, broker, particularly anything retail related, Martin Smith, uh, super good guy, SRS Real Estate. Yeah, good heavens. Hey, look, uh, Coleman's on the way up to uh, Huntsville, which is one of our listening areas. Y- you mentioned they're getting a new Pizza Hut, which yeah, is under which construction. Yeah, which I found interesting because yeah. I, I haven't seen a Pizza Hut under construction <laughs> exactly in a long right. time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have great memories of Pizza Huts uh, growing up. It was a big deal going out. And this looks like an actual yeah. like restaurant, not a delivery place or right. any of that. So I was fascinated by it. I tell you what, uh, I, I was kind of in a bind schedule-wise uh, earlier this week and found myself in Target. I had to get a few things and, and, and run an errand and then get into this uh, arbitration prep. So I had little choice but to try and eat the dinner that uh, Target offered at their little uh, snack counter. Oh, yeah, they had a Pizza Hut thing, don't And they? that's Pizza Hut, yeah. yeah. So I had a Pizza Hut uh, pepperoni little personal pan pizza, well, and it was fantastic. Isn't that more of like your uh, of what Pizza Hut is now, yeah. is delivery and those type of places? versus like a sit-down restaurant. Yeah. But uh, that used to be a big deal, man. You went in and had the checkered tablecloths and a pitcher of beer. And I got to tell you, it was really, really you. good. That hey, was awesome. I hear music. Man, Who are you? I'm Tony Truitt, Truitt Insurance and Bonding. If we can help with any of your uh, business needs, uh, home and auto, and we do a ton of bonding. We got offices here in Birmingham, Daphne and Tallahassee. We would love to help you. Check out truettinsurance.com. Yeah, I'm Brock Murphy with Brock G. Murphy Law Firm. Love to help you out if you're a small business, do a lot of construction-related stuff, mediations, arbitrations, 205 205- 
313-6360. Did you know? Ben, did you know there are over 2,500 varieties of apples grown in the United States? I did not know that. You know, it would take about two-plus days to fly all around the circumference of the Earth. You know how long it would take to do that on the sun? Wow. 206 days in a commercial airliner. How about that? Did you know if all the water in the Great Lakes were spread out across the lower 48 states, the land would be covered in nine feet of water? Oh, I did not know that. Uh, you know, in Uranus, you can't stand hey. up at the, the planet. You couldn't stand up there because there's no true surface. There's no place to stand on Uranus. How about this? Did you know about 23 roadside workers, that's one every two weeks, are killed each year and hundreds more sustain in- injuries? Stay off the phones. No yes. texting and driving. Hey, did you know in Venus, a day is longer than a year? How about that? How about that? Well, we got to run. Everybody have a great weekend. Oh, absolutely. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out Next generally. Week. Yeah, check us out. Yeah, that's right. Next week. And I tell you what, Alabama will fair.